0: Captain? <laughs> Signatures detecting. Shield up. <laughs>
1: Signatures
0: detecting. Context South eat Command. What's happening? C- context South eat
1: Command. Delay that order.
0: Context South eat Command. This is the captain. C- context South eat
1: Command. Get out of my chair. Chair. Chair.
0: Chair. chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons.
2: Klingons. Welcome to The Greatest Discovery, a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison.
0: I'm Adam Pranica. Uh. Greatest Gen, the creators of comedy and Star
2: Trek. (laughs) We invented joking about Star Trek.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the reason why Lower Decks exists, right? We proved the hypothesis is what we did, and then Big Rod saw the great success of our programming and went, (laughs) we can monetize that way better than those ding-dongs.
2: Yeah, we have lots of lots of platform for that kind of shenanigans. Yeah. We're sort of the engineers and they're the xenomorph that got out of control. We'd be lower decks if we had a worse app. <laughs> oh man, the apps have not been our friends lately. Yeah. We've been having technical difficulties over here. Yeah. I've been on vacation for two weeks and the technical difficulties nicely coincided with uh, me trying to not think about work. We didn't
0: get into podcasting to be uh, experts on, on server migration and right. 301 redirects and
2: whatever. Right. <laughs> That's, uh, that couldn't be further from my area of interest or expertise.
0: I don't know about it. I don't want to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. We migrated Greatest Gen, our biggest show by a wide margin, last week.
2: We had already migrated Greatest Discovery, yeah. which went went very smoothly. But Greatest Gen has a lot more episodes. And a lot, I guess, I think it's just the total number of episodes that was the, the culprit.
0: We... We did like Sulu would have suggested. We turned her into the wave. (laughs) And our show got fucking rocked.
2: Yeah, we did fly her apart for for a moment. Feelings were hurt.
0: People couldn't get the show on Monday like they expected. I think it's the first time we've ever had that kind of uh, distribution problem.
2: Yeah. Did not feel good. Yeah. It's stupid because I don't think that people give up on you over one... Fudged release date, but I can't believe that we get to do this for a living and On a good day. I can't believe that we get to do this for a living So on a bad day. I'm like, well, here's when the spell breaks. Here's when it all goes away You know, right? It just confirms all of my Suspicions that we don't actually deserve this, you know,
0: no, I mean I I feel like I feel like we deserve what's happened to
2: us (laughs) (laughs) Adam Pranica not an experiencer of imposter syndrome, he experiences all of the humiliation of being able to look himself in the mirror and know that he is a professional Star Trek podcaster.
0: I think you mistook my tone. I, I meant that in both the positive and the negative. We deserve what has happened and what will happen to us, Ben.
2: Mm-hmm. We know what we did. Yeah. Um. Hey, new Discovery trailer. That's coming out real soon.
0: Yeah. That was a couple of minutes of action. I was not expecting to see that much, but I'm glad that we did.
2: I watched it once on my phone while I was in the middle of something else. But the thing that I was really struck by was what a positive and hopeful tone it strikes. Hmm. And uh, you know, Discovery has been uh, cited and criticized sometimes as being the the darkest and grimmest Star Trek that they've made so far
0: it's the most eye traumatic show (laughs) we've ever gotten in in star trek Uh,
2: well picard picard gave it a run for its money in the eye trauma department yeah but i thought it was interesting that um times were tough when they were writing season three but have gotten dramatically tougher since then right so i think uh if the third season of the show is as advertised i think it's i think it's what i need right now
0: I'm not going to argue with you there, but I, I've got particular sensitivities about uh, positivity in my media. And you know <laughs> this by watching movies and TV shows with me. Like, that's a fine line for me. I don't want it to be loaded up with the sugar. But I will say, uh, I think my favorite part of the trailer was Sonequa Martin-Green's scream. Yes! Ah! She's got pipes. She's awesome. She's, a, she's vocally very talented.
2: Yeah. It's pretty amazing to see the disco, like, belly flopped on a planet surface, too.
0: Yeah. Not a great track record in Star Trek for uh, ships surviving planetary landings, right?
2: Uh, Voyager has, like, landing gear. Yeah. And you, you see that a few times in Voyager where they'll set her down for a while. Really, and uh, it's really it's really fun to see the the ship just like sitting on the ground. <laughs> but uh, th- that doesn't look like what happened with Disco in this trailer.
0: No, it looks like it crashes and they and they get her back up again, right?
2: Yeah, will be interesting to see how they do that. Oh, well, Let's hope this planet that we landed on has like trilithium <laughs> or whatever. <laughs>
0: I'm pumped. I mean, that's uh, what is that six weeks away? Because we're at the halfway point of Star Trek Lower Decks right now with the fifth episode. Ben, kind of,
2: kind of remarkable that we're here already. We we've just crossed into the back half of of Lower Decks.
0: That's that's what I meant. Yeah. Let's proceed with the show, Ben. Star Trek Lower Decks, season one, episode six, Terminal Provocations.
2: The cold open is substantially the trailer from the last episode for this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it really saves the work. It's like the the kind of cold open you get in an episode of Cheers or whatever where it's just a little vignette that's like barely related to the episode at all, but yeah. but may like, you know, may include the special guest star just for funsies.
0: What's Ransom even doing down in the lower decks area where the bunks are? Is he <laughs> Is he down there, like, looking for action in a a sexual way?
2: Uh, He does not find it. He finds it in an action way. (laughs) He sees the
0: group arguing about the warp engine (gasps) sounds. Are we doing the engine (gasps) sounds?
2: I know that uh, you can find all these on, on, you know, you can find 10 hours of Enterprise D engine room on YouTube to just set as, as background ambience. I think Ransom really overreacts here. It's a well-known phenomenon that people like a little pink noise.
0: I kickstarted a white noise machine many years ago. Uh, that was specifically like analog. Like it's not an electronic noise maker. It's a fan inside of a housing that makes the white noise. And it's something. It's not, it's
2: not playing an MP3 of a fan.
0: No, and you've seen me travel with it before. Like when we go out on tour, it's something I bring to every room I stay in, so every room that I stay in sounds like any other room. It's really helped me sleep a lot, and it makes me wonder why that's not a product for (laughs) Star Trek fans. A little warp core that actually has the lights and stuff? Give me the white noise machine warp core to stick on my nightstand uh, when I'm traveling again. Do we have to think of all this shit? What the
2: fuck? We come up with the best licensed product ideas, and every time I've reached out about licensing a product idea. They just don't even answer. Star Trek's like, cool, we'll
0: just, we'll just take the idea of comedy in Star Trek and you can just work with the rest. <laughs>
2: you will enjoy your table scraps, you little freak. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say,
0: when Ransom takes Boimler to the ground, like a cop, it doesn't feel good to watch that. No. It kind of took the comedy out of the moment for me. I'm not overly sensitive, uh, virtue signal simp asshole guy. Like I actually saw the visual and I was like, ah, yeah. Well, how do you how do you do that interaction in a in a better way?
2: I wonder. I mean, this is a cartoon, so yeah. he could have shot him and and. Everybody turns and where Boimler was, there's just some mashed potatoes with a whisk sticking out of it. <laughs> that would be a nice sight gag, you know? Right. That would be Low great. stakes. That's that's the that's the advantage of a cartoon.
0: Everyone knows you can't fire an unauthorized phaser aboard a starship, but what my theory presupposes is is Ransom's phaser an authorized phaser?
2: Hmm. I mean he is the first officer.
0: Yeah. What's he doing walking around with a phaser, even?
2: Did he have a cat basket, or did he like pull it out of a wall panel?
0: I don't think he pulled it out of a wall panel. He just had it on his person.
2: He had it keistered. Yeah. Um, One of the characters in in this scene is Fletcher. This is our first encounter with uh, this character in the episode, but he does become a fairly central character to the episode. Uh, The Cerritos is trying to defend some Starfleet detritus from Drukmani scavengers. Uh, J.G. Hertzler voicing the captain of the Drukmani ship.
0: Poor J.G. Hertzler. uh, Just can't seem to be cast as a character with two eyes anymore.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It felt to me like he was having a really fun time making this character because it's it's definitely not Martok. It's like a way crazier guy. I love the way that they throw around
0: profanity on this show. Yeah, and I think this is the first episode where we really get a "fuck you," mm-hmm. like a yeah. real crisp "fuck you" from <laughs> JG
2: Hertzler. I think is a delight.
1: We can talk this out. You.
2: We've gone to Star Trek Las Vegas a couple of times now. I've never paid for a, like a an autograph or anything, but I would pay JG Hertzler fifty bucks to to tell me to go fuck myself. Oh, yeah. No question. He could tell us both to fuck off and Rob's film it. Ben, put your wallet away. I've got this one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll pay him
0: $1,000 to just follow you around all day.
2: (laughs) Uh, I deserve it, Adam. Um, One thing uh, I noticed floating around in this cloud of Starfleet debris is it looks like the um the drone ships that they had in that Star Trek the animated series episode where they were transporting Quinto Triticale to right. to the planet where all of the tribble shenanigans always go down on My understanding
0: was that these ships were lost in space and they had been busted open and all their cargo had floated out
2: Yeah So that that could be old grain
0: Yeah but there's stuff like uh like round suitcases in there, and weird—I mean, what what look like uh, agonizer booths—and like, <laughs> like there's there's crazy shit in there. I'm sure there's a thousand Easter eggs floating in yeah. space for the more scrutinous podcast host. I feel like we're we're moving the focus of the show very uh, intentionally because we get a Shax's log to open mm-hmm. the episode uh more about him than we've ever known up until now.
2: Yeah. He's a trigger happy man. Yeah. And he's trigger unhappy right now because the uh you know the captain is looking for a diplomatic solution to this showdown with the Drukmani and you know the approach Shaxx would like to take is shoot first resolve diplomatic incident later.
0: It's unexpected. It's a it's a thing that you'd expect from a wharf as a tactical officer and not a peaceful Bajoran, which is what you get on this show. We're kind of playing with expectations here.
2: Yeah, we get a uh, a classic ironic smash cut here, where you know the the situation on the bridge is tense and the captain says, "Well, our crew is you know mm-hmm. is ready to go. They're a tightly oil. A- They're a tightly oiled machine. Yeah." <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I could have just I could have just taken another take and and Rob would have edited my fuck up. Now it's in the record. Now I look like an asshole. I like saying things like tightly oiled machine. Those <laughs> things are fun to say. I guess so. I'm being encouraging. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Down in the mess, the uh, the smash cut is Fletcher chuggalugging. Was it cantaloupe puree or something?
0: Yeah, and it's it's a scene that, that paid off a tingle I had, which was like, is this a conundrum situation? Where did Fletcher come from, and why is he suddenly so important?
2: <laughs> it seems like he's a main Lower Decks character. He does feel very main, and I wondered, I mean, I didn't actually go back to verify this, but he does kind of look like a guy we've maybe seen walk around in the background mm. in other shots.
0: He is voiced by Tim Robinson, but because Tim Robinson is so great at at comedy voice work, I didn't really clock him as this voice.
2: Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, he, he wasn't doing guy in hot dog suit voice.
0: <laughs> yeah, until he goes off into his mania later on. I think that's when you start to pick up on on that kind of vocal affectation. Yeah. But most of the time, he plays it pretty straight, and, and he's really good at that. I think that's what makes him so funny in I Think You Should Leave. Yeah. is like that tension of, of he's so perfectly straight with his voice and his attitude until it explodes on him.
2: I had a, uh, a cantaloupe agua fresca the other day that was really great and I've been thinking about it ever since. And the scene really just put that right back at the top of my list of priorities. Get some more cantaloupe drink. Uh, you think you could break this record, the lope chugging? Yeah, I, I could chug some lope, dude. This
0: is a scene that uh, almost starts a bar fight, right? Like you can't, you can't do a thing at a bar where you uh, you walk backwards into someone and then you end up spilling their drink or whatever. Like there's a thousand different variations of that, but in yeah. in this show, there's a nachos incident where uh, yeah. someone backs into Dr. Katz And Dr. Katz uh, goes face down into a tray of
2: nachos. Those chos are not going to come out of the fur easily, and she makes this point. And uh, it's, in in fact, Ensign Fletcher that that makes the piece here. He replicates Dr. Katz some loaded replacement chos. Try the carnitas. It's a delicioso. There's a weird
0: quality to what's happening in the commissary here because, like, Tendy gets a taco salad. Rutherford gets a hamburger.
2: Mm -hmm. I did write down, I wish the food in the mess was weirder, because I think that that's something that's pretty tricky to do with live action, but could be done to great effect with animation, or at least I imagine it could be. I haven't seen them go that weird with food on this show yet.
0: There's a really subtle thing happening with the character building that I almost wonder if I'm imagining, which is like, let's say it is Mexican food day and everyone's uh-huh. enjoying the nachos and the taco salad. Wouldn't Rutherford be the guy to order off the American part of the, of the Mexican <laughs> restaurant menu and get the hot dog or the hamburger? Like he yeah. is that kind of person.
2: My wife's uncle, when we go out to uh, our favorite family Mexican restaurant, is pretty famous for like ordering the burger for the table.
0: <laughs> I kinda love that move. It for yeah. its absurdity.
2: Yeah, like and then like cut it up like a like a pie so everybody can get a wedge of burger if they want it.
0: Is it like a jitlada style like variation on the burger that is super awesome, or is it like burger patty on a bun plain?
2: It's a big burger. It's a really big burger, but it tastes a lot like an In-N-Out burger. So it's it's like if you could imagine wow. an In-N-Out burger that is like fully twice as big in diameter.
0: Huh? I can't. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's great. Yeah, it's a good burger. It's not it's not a bad burger. Uh, but uh, it's a part of the menu that I instinctively ignore when I go to a Mexican restaurant. But uh, my wife's uncle like kind of put me onto the technology of like, no, their burger is actually super good. (laughs) And it's fun to have an eighth of it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's really the point, right? You're not stuck with a a meal that you don't want or that fills you up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I I think that's a, I think that's a good observation about Rutherford.
0: It's an amused burger is what you're describing, right?
2: (laughs) That is what it is. And I am amused. Hmm. They start talking about Ensign Fletcher. Uh, he and Boimler were at the academy together, and uh, Fletcher has kind of this rep as being a natural peacemaker he's a he's a real asset to Starfleet
0: yeah, and and this is the setup, right? He's kind of the uh, the starry eyed true believer of the goodness of the Starfleet officer inherent and uh, and this is what's going to allow later for the big letdown.
2: That's uh, our A story and our B story is uh, Tendi being worried about this uh, cloud of debris that they're in. And uh, she's worried that uh, she may have to do a spacewalk as part of uh, her duties uh, on this mission and becomes super nervous because there was some kind of uh, clerical error at the academy and she never actually passed a spacewalking course, you know, and you've taken like a scuba course you know that's not something you just you just go do you know it's also
0: a thing that uh that you don't bring up you know if you're gonna get passed why say anything mm-hmm. to uh to cause you not to pass
2: yeah she's no dummy rutherford's got a, a a training program that he's been working on and uh invites her to the holodeck to uh to check it out so that's a uh, that's our b storyline and uh wouldn't you know it, Adam, we've got an A story and a B story that are about uh, virtual characters that go haywire.
0: Right. We get kind of a nostalgia runner here of all the characters we've met on Star Trek via Holodeck, <laughs> which brings up an interesting point, I think, in that Lower Decks seems to be the only Star Trek show that uses Holodeck for Star Trek every other Star Trek show seems to use it for playing that game of who would you like to have dinner with? uh, Only dead. Right. (laughs) And I think it's a very intentional thing that Star Trek does. Like They'd never do that exhibit style. I heard you like Star Trek, so we're going to put Star Trek in your Star Trek. No one uses the holodeck for that, except for Boimler or what happens here.
2: That episode of uh, TNG where they make the original Enterprise bridge in the holodeck and Scotty goes in and it's like an incredibly special moment.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if a big reason for how special it was is that it's Star Trek inside Star Trek. Or And by saying that, I don't even mean like mocking up Enterprise-specific scenes and people inside. I mean anything having to do with space... (laughs) <laughs> or or the time or location that they're in You just never see it on the holodeck Except if Jordy's trying to Fuck Leah Brahms Or something
2: <laughs> Or her warp core Right.
0: Maintain heading
2: It'd be fun to see somebody do like a lightsaber fight In the holodeck
0: <laughs> I wonder if it's too tantalizing Of an edge case Like it's a slippery slope Into uh, <laughs> Leah Brahms' warp core Right Yeah
2: <laughs> The, uh, the work that uh, Boimler, Mariner, and Fletcher are doing is something to do with uh, swapping isolinear chips out of cores. No
0: one wants to be working right now because they're going to miss the big concert.
2: Yeah, the choo-choo dance is coming up in the mess hall, and uh, Boimler and Mariner are particularly psyched about it. I mean, the, the choo-choo dance sounds dope as hell. Anytime the Zebulon
0: sisters come to town, that's just an automatic... Buy your ticket and go situation, yeah.
2: right? It's like kind of the opposite of if the Greatest Generation goes on tour. It's like a which is more of a like, eh, well, you know, if we're free that night, if it's the Zebulon Sisters, it's like I will fucking pay a thousand dollars for scalp tickets.
0: Right, choo-choo is is like the twenty-fourth century WAP. <laughs>
2: Uh, Fletcher does them a super solid, and he uh, he offers to to finish their work on their behalf. So they go put on their homemade T-shirts. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Zebulon sisters were probably pissed because that's like a merch sales opportunity that they aren't going to have, right?
0: Potentially, but uh, we never see the official choo-choo shirts. Uh, right. as opposed to the, the homemade ones. I mean, when you and I go out and do shows, uh the, the homemade shirts are the most fun.
2: That's true. That's true. I've got a couple of homemade shirts that f- folks have given me over the years. I love them.
0: I did a very sad, nostalgic uh, look back into tour photos this week. I don't know what inspired me to go down this hole, but... Like, I, I think I just looked at the hashtag greatest Gen Con and I just flipped and flipped and flipped. Wow. And it was like years of, <laughs> of viewer photos and uh, pictures of us on stage and pictures of us wearing yeah. fan-made shirts. And it was fun to see like how we slowly learned how to dress for tour I stopped I stopped dressing like I was going to a meeting
2: (laughs) and I started dressing more like I was going to a meeting yeah we really diverged
0: in styles which was great We, we found our way and now that part of our lives are over
2: the glasses of tequila soda get bigger and bigger it's true it's so bubbly and cloy
1: and happy
0: Boimler and Mariner go to this show, and Fletcher takes over, and we cut over to the holodeck where we meet Rutherford's creation. Uh, We get to experience his programming personally, and, uh, and he's made Badgie.
2: Badgie is sort of the clippy of training for a Starfleet thing.
0: I wonder if they ever thought about uh making Pippy and if that would have been too close to Clippy in <laughs> in name.
2: Yeah. I mean I like I like Badgie a lot. It's kind of he he is an an interesting midpoint between Clippy and Mr. DNA, I feel like. Yeah. And I think Jack McBrayer is like a brilliant stroke of casting.
0: I absolutely agree. The design looks stupid, but it is smart because I love how uh, how Badgy's mouth is asymmetrical, like the bottom part of the badge. Yeah, I think that's neat. I love how the status bar is his mouth as things <laughs> happen. It's really cool. Yeah.
2: He is not well-designed software in, uh, in the world of this show. They tell him that they need spacewalk training and that progress bar creeps across and uh rutherford and tendy start their their training and the you know the camera pushes in on badgie and you you realize that badgie may not be all good
0: well badgie's pissed because rutherford kicked him in the badge balls to to get his his bar to move
2: yeah badgie has uh some things in common with uh with moriarty in that he he kind of resents being a holodeck character
0: After the Zebulon sisters show, Mariner and Boim's go back to work and find Fletcher on the ground. uh, And Fletcher tells them the tale of woe about being shot while on the job. I suspected uh, Ransom right away.
2: Right. You know, you don't you don't see ransom fire a phaser in that first scene but having placed it in his hand he's like the person your your mind goes to right you know this this also is a scene about establishing that Boimler and mariner are greener officers than say kim cattrall in undiscovered country because they don't even think about the unauthorized phaser alarm
0: no no one's thinking about mashed potatoes or whisks at this moment in time, but they are thinking about conspiracy in that same way. Uh, There's a part missing related to the shields, and that really ups the stakes for what's happened here. It's not just that Fletcher may have been attacked, it's that there's a part missing that could really have some consequences during the mission. And so the conspiracy forms in such a way that, that puts Mariner and Boimler... In a little bit of danger because they weren't supposed to leave this work area, and they did. So now they're motivated with Fletcher to find out what happened and to recover the missing part uh, before anyone finds out, because it's all their heads. It's not just Fletcher's fault.
2: Right. So they're gonna they're gonna help him find this. Their thoughts immediately go to Delta Shift.
0: I mean, we we figured Ransom would have read the Jellicoe Book of Shifts, right? Right. Four shift rotation on the Cerritos.
2: Delta shift. I think four shift sounds like a nice amount of rotation. I agree. You know?
1: Oh, damn. This must be the beta shift's version of a badass.
0: All the delta shift crew people have mean eyebrows.
2: (laughs) Yeah. They're kind of the the bad boys of the lower techs. Um, (laughs) We also learned that uh, Mariner and Boimler are on beta shift, which I thought was very fun. Right,
0: yeah, especially Boimler.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, accusations start getting thrown around. Flaps
0: get undone, which yeah. is like, it's like the dinosaur <laughs> from Jurassic Park ready to uh, to spray <laughs> its poison at you. You pull down that flap, you're ready to go.
2: Yeah, kind of counter to what we know about Fletcher, right? He is not... He is not making peace in this scene. He is he is pulling his flap open and throwing punches.
0: This is Fletcher in the hot dog suit, right? He goes 10 out of 10 aggressive about Delta Shift being at fault here, potentially. And it's in his overreaction that we become suspicious of him.
2: Right. And Delta Shift is like, you know, we couldn't have done this. We were not on shift. In fact, we were at the choo-choo dance and we cut... Man, I just wish the camera would have flipped around. We see them in the audience at the choo-choo dance. We don't get to see the choo-choo dance.
0: You know, the show loved teasing everyone about that. Everyone wants to know what the choo-choo
2: dance is. Yeah. It's something we may never find out about, but...
0: I hope we don't. They should yeah. never, ever tell us what that is.
2: Unless they could get the Zebulon sisters to come to Star Trek Las Vegas and actually like put it on in person. Right. I feel like that would be worth it. This is all kind of interrupted when the Drukmani start using their tractor beam to fling chunks of debris at the hull of the Cerritos and uh up on the bridge they're like you know they initially think maybe they're being fired on, but the Drukmani's ship is not armed, yeah, so this is uh it's it's a lot more like uh you know Darth Vader like breaking shit off the wall and force flinging it at Luke in Empire. It's
0: a fun banger transition too. It's a it's an elegant way to get around the different storylines.
2: Yeah, and uh, this plays into our A story because the part that's missing is a uh, is a backup of a backup of a system that helps rebuild the shields when they are under attack. So sooner or later, enough bangers will get dropped on the Cerritos that the the fact that the part is missing is going to be. You know, something that even the captain knows about. And that kind of steps up the, the tension here for the the lower deck's crew.
0: One of the consequences of these bangers is that non-essential power is turned off and reallocated. And that includes holodeck safety protocols, which is insane. Like anyone, <laughs> anyone who is in a working holodeck during an emergency... Those safety protocols should be one of the last things that gets turned off, like like life support systems.
2: Yeah. What about the lysine contingency? We could put that into effect. We see some like wharf lightning ripple through the holodeck and we see Badgie realize that he has changed. He's gone from being a put upon servant of Rutherford to actually having some power in this dynamic. And that, uh, you know, he, like, bites a hole in, in Rutherford's suit.
0: When Badgie turns feral, it made me think that when the safety protocols were turned off, these were feelings that he's always had. And with the safety off, like, it's, it's just, it grants the ability to act on them. And it wasn't that it was the banger or the lightning that conjured this in him.
2: No, it's, it's when your dog realizes that his leash is disconnected from his collar and he can right. run like a maniac.
0: This is, a, this is an example of like Rutherford being good enough to do his job, but not great enough to be special as a programmer or an officer in Starfleet, right? Like, right. like he's close enough to do something interesting, but that's also what makes what he does dangerous.
2: Yeah, well, and, and he admits that Badgie is not done. Like, he's right. this is the beta version of this beta's f- software.
0: Rutherford does kind of like self-defense program changes, right? Like, he changes where they're at into Bajoran marketplace. And Badgie begins a pattern of violence right out of a Verhoeven film at this point. <laughs> like, he is absolutely tearing through the marketplace. And by that, I don't mean, like... The vegetables for sale, or no, or the or the street proselytizers, He's like he's ripping people
2: in two. He is shooting people in the dick. Yeah, and uh, Rutherford and Tendy try and like put on robes and and hide themselves, but uh, but Badgy is onto them. And
0: you can hide behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here, ready to be hidden behind. Who is this? It's me, your old Bajoran friend. (laughs) The Bajoran tablet.
2: Oh man, the Bajoran tablet came over from Greatest Gen to be on this episode of Greatest Discovery. This is exciting.
0: I'm here and I'm ready to fuck.
1: (laughs) Badger's not going to know what hit him.
2: I feel like Bajoran tablet's voice changes a lot. Yeah. As soon as I thought of him, I
0: was like, I don't remember what his voice sounds like. I'll try something that sounds like horny Mickey Mouse.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're bad at this show.
0: Yeah. They can replace him and no
1: one can tell the diddly difference.
2: Things are really starting to fall apart, both inside the holodeck and out. When we cut back to the A story, Fletcher is speculating that maybe the Drukmani stole this computer core and they, uh, you know, like he's like, well, we got to tell the captain this is, you know, this is an act of war. And uh, they're in like the bunk bed hallway when uh, Boimler spots a, the computer core just like lightly covered with a sheet on Fletcher's bed. And they realize that uh, Fletcher had the the core the entire time and has been lying to cover some fuck up. And uh, the fuck up is that he attempted to, like download the computer core into his mind to help him do his work better
0: I feel like when you start breaking this episode you write Reginald Barkley's name on the whiteboard and and then you flow from there all of the alt ideas that Reginald Barkley would do and this moment with Fletcher is one the holodeck moment is another
2: this, yeah. is, a, this is a Barkley episode Kind of is. There's no like Barkley character where like Fletcher is not nervous or, or like socially deficient in some of the ways that Barkley is depicted as being. He's more just like overconfident in his ability to lie his way out of any situation.
0: That's an interesting observation because like Barkley was also, his lies were also pathological in his episodes. And like the idea of what if Barkley were confident Right and what would the consequences be of a character like that we're able to see in an episode like this. It's an interesting alt.
2: So this computer core has has taken on some some sentience from Fletcher and it it starts to like writhe and wriggle and and the, the cables coming out of it start grabbing iPads and computers and stuff. <laughs> it's very matrixy. Yeah, it eventually grabs Mariner and Boimler, and Fletcher has to like bludgeon it with a with a wrench to get it to drop them. But he's like, you know, he he goes from like feeling guilt and like crying and being sorry for himself to like pointing his finger at them and accusing them of you know of being like bad as bad or worse than him. And uh, and meanwhile, this this uh, writhing computer ball is is like. Katamari damasying yeah. more and more shit onto itself and uh and becoming like a, a a more dangerous hegemonizing artificial intelligence.
0: Didn't TNG really work with uh empathy so much more in its characters like we understand from Fletcher's admission and his actions here that he is not someone for whom we should be rooting for redemption right he's a bad person who deserves what's coming to him and that is a very (laughs) unusual feeling for a star trek show and and to direct toward a starfleet officer
2: yeah i agree i think um the the mechanics of it are fucked are fucked up in a very fun lower decks way like how how people are punished on this show yeah How, like like the Aristotelian math of punishment is uh, uh is in play here in a way that is not in t n g like like those who defy the gods in t n g are not then you know pilloried or made to suffer they're you know they are much more often made to have a moment of insight and understanding and growth uh but in, in this show like you the way you get in trouble is by being promoted,
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, every time. So Badgie is chasing Rutherford and Tendy up the stairs to this Bajoran temple where there's a moment between them, between Rutherford and Tendy. I mean, where they admit that they've been doing things to impress each other the whole time. But it doesn't reach the level of romantic epiphany that I think weaker shows would have taken advantage of in this exact moment.
2: There's definitely a will they won't they thing happening with them, but it doesn't feel like Sam and Diane level. It's not, it's not like the only thing about them.
0: Rutherford, uh, I don't know if it's here or if it's later in the episode. Like admits that he does all of these things to impress her because, like, look at how cute she is. Yeah. There's a very chaste attraction between them that that does not rise to the level of romantic attraction. Ever, like, up to this point.
2: Mm-hmm. By Rutherford being decidedly unlecherous, it uh, it changes the dynamic of that. It's,
0: I mean, you could argue that Boehm's is the most sexual character on the show at this point, right?
2: He's the only one that's had a steady girlfriend.
0: Yeah. He's the only one who's hung dong. <laughs>
2: So, uh, Rutherford and Tendi realize that the, uh, you know, Badgie is constrained by the same physics that they're constrained by, which is not as designed in the program. But if that's true, they can, you know, they still have control over like what environment is running for, for Badgie to be guiding them in. So they change it to ice planet.
0: They should have changed to car wrecking yard planet with those, Magnet cranes.
2: (laughs) Oh, but is a a Starfleet badge made out of a ferrous metal? Uh, I think it's made out of gold, right?
0: That is such a Star Trek convention Q&A question for, like, (laughs) the Okudas. Yeah. I can't answer that question, and I won't.
2: (laughs) So, Fletcher is, like, proposing different lies they could pull to try and uh, explain away why this terrifying computer monster is ripping up the ship he suggests that they blame it on a on a cue. it's not gonna work come on fletcher give me a fucking break
0: they like wrap it in a blanket yeah but but it but as you were describing like it's katamari damacy ing itself as they blanket it through the hallway like it's just it's tearing shit off of the walls and getting bigger (laughs) like too big for the blanket is what it's becoming and so
2: and they realize like fletcher is not helping like all he is doing is is like coming up with ideas for how they can cover for this yeah and what they need to do is solve the problem not not figure out what the spin is going to be after they solve it. So they tie him up. (laughs) They're trying to get this thing to the transporter room so that they could beam it into space. They realize they're just going to have to they're just going to have to blow it out an airlock.
0: The repetition of the word aliens and alien in this moment. It's It's aliens! Those freaking aliens! On the one hand, like it's pointing directly to what it is inspired by but also it clanged a little bit for its repetition i mean
2: yeah i think that we could do the math on what it's inspired by
0: right you don't need to say it
2: yeah but this it goes out uh, into space and happens to have just lined up perfectly with heading toward the Drukmani ship and so, predictably, it, it tears its way into the Drukmani hull and, and rips this ship apart, which is, like, I think that this show, like, has a considerably more leeway than any previous Star Trek in engaging in nihilism. Like, th- what happens here is the Drukmani are murdered by a terrifying space monster. Like,
0: I didn't get the sense that their ship was destroyed and all of them were dead.
2: That's what you're, you're grasping? Yeah, I mean you see like you see like an explosion come out of it.
0: I think the way the explosion looks makes their ship look like a head and like a bullet blowing its brains out.
2: Right, I- and I I interpret that as the as the crew is dead. Yeah. Like like the Drukamani are clearly assholes, but like a live action Star Trek can't have somebody getting, you know, a ship full of people getting killed just because they're jerks, you know? And I think this show like can get away with that sometimes i'm not sure if it totally works in this instance but
0: wow i i have to admit i didn't consider it that way i (laughs) i leaned into its nihilism and i enjoyed it
2: (laughs) um uh, speaking of nihilism uh you know badgie and rutherford get in like a knockdown drag out fist fight with you know, stabbing and blood and punches to the face, and eventually Badgie's neck being snapped by Rutherford.
0: this show knows what a mercy kill looks like, like it's watched of mice and men, for example <laughs> like and when rutherford when Rutherford and Badgie's relationship ascends to Father and son, like yeah. right at the apex of the fight. Is right. when is when like they really lean into this the most. And then for Rutherford to mercifully kill him at the end was tonally really funny to me. Really great job.
2: Yeah. The design of that character is 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 really well considered and the and the way that twist looks is like it's not a humanoid character and yet you know exactly what <laughs> that did internally to Badgie. <laughs> you
0: know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Badgie may or may not be a uh, ferris metal, but uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is inside Badgie that supports its life has been broken.
2: I'm back to being the only floating bug-eyed character in the show! No amount of glue could put Badgie back together! There, I found the voice! We both did! <laughs> I had a little bit of a cold earlier, but now I'm back! Don't worry. We're professionals.
0: We know what we're doing. Does it count as necrophilia if Badgie was never a human being? (laughs) Let's find out.
2: So Fletcher gets his comeuppance. He's promoted to LT and uh, transferred to the Titan. The toughest, fastest, most powerful ship Starfleet has ever put into service. And then we get like a cut to six weeks later and on FaceTime he's back down to Ensign and reporting that he's been fired from Starfleet. So uh Fletcher no longer an issue, no longer a character on the show even. I'd like to follow up with him though. Like if if they could write him into future episodes as like a guy who used to be in Starfleet that we meet, that would be real fun, I think.
0: The Starfleet washout, yeah. Yeah. I love how they kind of in a way, Ben they blew Fletcher out of the Starfleet airlock, didn't they? Mm. Yeah.
2: Really makes you think.
0: <laughs> the The very, very end, the end-end, Boehm's and Mariner uh, restate their affection for each other before running off to the captain's yacht. They got the keys to the yacht, man, and it's got a little, uh, it's got a fuzzy... Like a
2: monkey paw or a
0: rabbit's foot. I mean, it's a Tribble, right? Is is it not a is not a Tribble keychain? Is it a
2: mini Trib?
0: Maybe. I think after having a negative experience with Tribbles, you wouldn't want anything that looked like a little Tribble around you.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't want to be like, ah, Tribble. Oh, yeah. God.
0: It's like putting a cucumber down next to a cat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a nice thing to do. You don't want any of that. Did you like the episode, Adam?
0: Yeah, I like thinking about Starfleet officers as chaos agents instead Mm -hmm. of Starfleet officers dealing with external chaos agents because, and I think we've had a couple of of examples of this in TNG and fewer episodes in DS9, and I'm thinking of a guy like Cal Hudson where you're used to trusting anyone wearing the uniform. There's such a combination between uniform and person you can't separate them. And so when Fletcher ends up revealing himself to be the chaos agent in uniform, it's exhilarating to experience what happens as a result, because there's so much damage you can do with that baseline level of trust. And Mariner and Boimler give him chance after chance, like well past the danger zone is reached with Fletcher they they tie him up at the very last moment
2: they really give a Cisco amount of leeway to Fletcher (laughs)
0: right I love the line that Mariner had that said I only break dumb rules so I can do a better job this is what she says to the Delta shift people yeah and like that Star Trek that's totally Star Trek right there in one single line totally my favorite part of the episode though my biggest laugh is when dr cat starts yelling about about transferring them to starbase 80 there is a Mm -hmm. there's a background voice that says damn starbase 80 (laughs) (laughs) that was the biggest laugh for me in the whole episode that i love that part and i love playing with stuff like that there's a lot to enjoy in the background of the show Uh, every episode I feel like has a moment like that.
2: What about you, Ben? Did you like it? It is not my favorite episode of this show so far. I'd say maybe, maybe I think the weakest show, episode of Lower Decks so far. It seemed seemed like they were kind of telling two of the same story in parallel and not realizing it almost. Hmm. And I'm sure that they realized. It just didn't seem like they interplayed in a way that felt a little underbaked to me um there's still good jokes and good sight gags and it's like it's not i wouldn't say it's a bad episode i just didn't think it was like the best
0: there's a there's a little bit of a math isn't there between how those stories are related where you either want to really relate them or not relate them at all and to medium relate them can create a, a sort of feeling that you're describing i think
2: yeah yeah and uh, I, it's something that we encounter occasionally in you know in our watch throughs of TNG and Deep Space Nine where they'll have concurrent storylines that seem like they should have something to do with each other and don't and it's it's a weird feeling it's like it's hard to interpret what's going on there um, but you know what's easy to interpret Adam is uh, our priority one inbox you want to check those bad boys out on my way there. Priority one message from Starfleet
0: coming in on secured channel.
2: We got a couple of P ones here, Adam. Nice to see the jumbotron calendar fill up for the greatest discovery. Yeah, for a moment it was empty. It was empty for a moment. I was I, I thought people had abandoned us, but uh, but here we are.
0: I've abandoned my show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> this one is from Fraser, Brunk, and Dingman from the TGD group on FB, and it's to Ben and Adam. I didn't know there was a greatest discovery group on Facebook. Good job.
0: Give me all the Facebook groups associated with our show, like a resistance group inside Facebook. That's what I'm considering them from now on.
2: Yeah, right. Uh, It goes like this. What this post presupposes is we're addicts. All Facebook FOD gather at TGG and TGD to praise Ben and Adam, but they aren't there to hear our prayers like an empty dark orb from the temple. Ben and Adam deleted Facebook like Kevin deleting the Hoosnock, but like Edward Larkin alone in the lab with a Tribble, we just can't stop. Oh man, this almost feels like a cry for help. <laughs>
0: we uh, We had gone on quite a run at the end of Greatest Gen episodes where we were like, Uh, love the groups, hate the Facebook, leave Facebook, Facebook sucks. Much of that remains true, Ben. Yeah,
2: Facebook is still a bad company that is systematically destroying civil society.
0: But it was good to be reminded again of how much good happens in those fenced-in areas uh, among people that we care about being happy. So uh, while I remain hopeful that there will be an alternative to uh, associating with such a terrible place. Uh, I'm glad that good people can make a good place for themselves inside uh, inside a terrible place.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I think that maybe we were inartful in our language in voicing concerns we have about Facebook as a company, and uh, and that was interpreted as being, you know, a... Derision of anyone that uses Facebook full stop. And it's like, not really where we're coming from at all. But uh, I think we were, we could have put things better. We could have said that more specifically.
0: We've got a, a thousand groups over there and a thousand mods working their asses off to make it a nice place to be. So uh, yeah. Gratitude to them, certainly. It's all
2: love, and yeah. we're not the uh, we're not purists here either. Like this, <laughs> we have a, a an official Instagram account for our show. It's not like we're yeah. a, above this at all.
0: No, we're not. We're in it.
2: We're <laughs> we're just as dirty as you.
0: <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is from Daniels. It is to future Daniels regarding important warnings from the future. The message goes like this. Wrong pod, dumbass. <laughs> and that's it. The uh, The requested date says ASAP, but whatever, because it's already too late.
2: Oh, man. Daniel's uh, really fucked up. I, I really yeah. like spelling dumbass as two separate words.
0: And yet, my instructions for pronunciation were is pronounced as a single word, so Daniels could have just written as one word, and I would have read it that way.
2: Yeah, Daniels is a complicated figure.
0: I'd like to see you become uncomplicated after time travel, the way yeah. future Daniels has become.
2: Well, if you'd like to uh, send your future self a message, or uh, pay us to... Admit that we were kind of jerks about Facebook groups. Uh, you could do those things. I
0: think we're done with that. We get it.
2: <laughs> we got it. No we're, thanks. We're, we understand. Uh, uh, but but it does help the pod to, uh, to, to you know to get some some P ones, and uh, we really appreciate it. So if you'd like to get one, you head to maximumfun.org/jumbotron and you set it up there. and uh, I recommend it. Uh, It works great. Uh, Trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit plus Handyman Electric Face Shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality, and this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off, plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever, with Manscaped. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed, and one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times, and they are delicious, fresh, never-frozen, chef-crafted meals, and they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is Actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com trek50 and use code TREK50 to get 50% off. That's code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to
1: get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it.
2: What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
2: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year.
1: And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again?
2: Absolutely.
1: topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast secretly incredibly fascinating find us by searching for the
2: word secretly in your podcast app
1: and at maximumfun.org
0: hey ben
2: what's that adam
0: did you discover yourself and edward larkin
2: Boy, um, I, was, uh, I was on our Reddit sub right before I got on here, and there was somebody proposing that the Edward Larkin on this show be renamed for Fletcher. Wow! Which I don't agree with at all. I don't think that Fletcher is having the most fun. I don't think that I don't think that Fletcher has the same energy as what we're looking for with an Edward Larkin. You know what I think does that? Totally outlandish decision game time decision to add a third chew to the choo-choo dance the zebulon sisters are my edward larkin for this episode
0: so insane
2: crazy they added a third chew i didn't know it was possible
0: i feel like people say that they went to the show where they added the third chew but they didn't actually go just so they could say that they were there yeah such a legendary moment
2: right yeah prove it where is your concert t-shirt you know
0: Hey, guess what? Your homemade concert t-shirt with the two chews on it is fucking trash. Throw it in the garbage.
2: It's obsolescent the second they got on the stage. Where's your third chew? Fucking dumbass. Idiots. Stupid shirt. (laughs) Throw that shirt in the fucking replicator.
0: You know what? I'm going to rock at the next convention. Uh, Chew chew on the front, and then someone's going to try to get in my face about double chew. I'm turning it around.
2: Third chew on the back. All right. Are you gonna do? Are you gonna do it like lower back tattoo, it's just like area where it's like? Oh yeah, that's where that belongs.
0: <laughs> yeah, follow uh, follow that for a good time. Yeah. Uh, did you have an Edward Larkin, Adam? What's the rule, Ben? The rule for Edward Larkin on this show is it's Mariner, unless it isn't. You made a very convincing argument against Fletcher. And Fletcher was my Edward Larkin. But, oh, man. <laughs> but here's the thing. like, I, I regret doing that because I think you're right about there's an inherent quality in in Shimoda that Fletcher doesn't possess. Fletcher makes a mistake at work and is terrified by this. Throughout the episode, and that's not having fun. He's like on defense the whole time.
2: I mean, Edward Larkin is more like Fletcher than he is like Shimoda, I would say. That's where I was going with
0: that, which was in our in our alt for greatest discovery, turning Shimoda into Larkin makes Fletcher more of a viable Larkin than than a viable Shimoda. And
2: so that's totally fair. I
0: think we're I think we're establishing different rules for different shows now, and I think that's okay.
2: Wow, the cosmology of the Uxbridge Shimoda family of products got a lot more sophisticated today.
0: I think there are room for more Shimoda like figures on lower decks and Star Trek Discovery, and I know we'll be there to uh, to tag them as yeah. such. But uh, I don't want this to be a history-making episode where we are suddenly doing Shimoda's and Larkin's on <laughs> greatest discovery. But I think I think as long as we're a little granular in how we're describing them, people will get the idea.
2: Yeah, I I will confess that you know when I when I sit down for a to watch an episode of this show with my notebook and I write down notes, I always put a spot at the top of my page for my Edward Larkin when I find it. And I have not written one down ahead of time for this show hmm. on a single episode. I've I've always uh, either forgotten to or not thought about it until we're sitting here recording the podcast talking about it, which is something that, like I always have it thought up and rationalized for Greatest Gen. And it's been it's been very hard for me to. Do that for great uh, the lower decks episodes of greatest discovery for some reason i don't know why that is different shows yeah
0: i think there's no way you can't be a shimoda if you're chugging lope out of the replicator that is fun <laughs> that is fucking fun ben yeah can't that- tell me it's not
2: that was Fletcher's save the cat moment. I, I, I he, it was immediately endeared to him when he that did was, that. was
0: that was that's fun superseding all other moments of anguish by him. Yeah. See, he yeah. is a Shimoda.
2: Yeah. Fuck. He's he contains multitudes.
0: I'm standing next to my chalkboard with the the Shimoda formula here. I finally got <laughs> us back.
2: No remainders. Adam, uh, on the next episode. Uh, of this show we uh get a couple of pretty intense images there's a uh, dog on the ship this dog looks a little bit like mr peanut butter yeah. from bojack but uh but its head like folds back and he becomes like a uh a, an evil the thing and uh, it looks like boimler has a transporter accident and is uh is like a force ghost for a lot of the episode
0: yeah a type of episode star trek has is transporter accident no need for clothes anymore Boims. Yeah. <laughs> take them off sounds like a good one coming up ben it's the seventh episode of lower decks next week and god just a couple weeks from the premiere of star trek discovery so la on our plates
2: looking forward to it uh, let's, uh, let's leave it with Rob's from here though and uh, we'll, we'll check back next week with more Greatest Discovery
1: The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison This podcast is produced by me, Rob Schulte Our theme music is by Adam Ragusia, who has an amazing cooking channel on YouTube that you should all go check out Looking for more Trek? Why don't you discover some new episodes in our back catalog? We've covered Star Trek comic books, we've covered the animated series, or you can just re listen to all of our Star Trek Discovery episodes in preparation for the third season. And don't forget, you can now follow us on Twitter and Instagram under the handles Greatest Trek. Those accounts are ran by the great card daddy Bill Tilly. Thanks, Bill. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with another episode of The Greatest Discovery.
2: Beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep, beep.
0: (laughs) Was that our interstitial?
2: I just just heard Rob's edit in my head. That never happens.
1: Maximumfun.org.
2: Comedy and culture.
1: Artist owned, audience supported.